I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> Romans chapter 6. We'll look at verse 11 in just a few moments. While you're finding that, let me take a couple of seconds just to review. Um, helps, helps me, and I'm sure if it helps me, it will help you. Uh, we are considering the subject of battling against indwelling sin, which is the sin and uh, the the sin nature that remains within us when we're saved. That's what indwelling sin is. And we want to battle against that successfully. And uh, we have previously seen five instructions. The first one was remember that the Lord sees and knows everything. So we don't want to convince ourselves that, you know, somehow the other something that's happening in our lives or that we're doing or thinking is unknown to God. It very much is. And as the second instruction was repent of sin as soon as possible. Third instruction was recite the gospel to yourself. And over and over, just keep right on and reciting it. Fourth instruction was recognize your specific weaknesses to sin. So all of us have different weaknesses. And, we, and if we can um, recognize those and then, of course, fortify against them, plan, see where those weaknesses are, then we will be better equipped for dealing with them or avoiding them if, if that's possible. And a fifth instruction, which we saw last week, is uh, restore your determination to hate and war against sin. So... Once we were saved, when we were saved, the instant that we were saved, a part of our repentance, our we believed the gospel and we repented of sin, and that in that repentance included a determination not to sin, a determination to declare war on sin and to fight sin, uh, and and that language of warring against sin is famous uh, in the history of the church. Early church fathers, medieval mystics and, and monks, as well as the reformers and, and, and commentators and, and preachers since then have used that language. And of course, it's embedded in, in a lot of passages of Scripture and, the, and what's illustrated in like Judges and Joshua, places like that where we have the type uh, of the Christian life that is found in the warfare of Israel against their physical enemies. Today we come to our sixth instruction, which is, as you can see, let me, let me turn to Romans chapter 6 myself, but what you'll see is that our sixth instruction is reckon yourselves to be dead, excuse me, reckon yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God. And this, of course, is, is taken directly from, from Romans 6 and verse 11. Reckon yourself to be dead to sin and alive to God. That's our sixth instruction. Now, that, this instruction needs some unpacking and some explanation, just as the others that we've considered thus far. Let me begin. Uh, well, let me read... Um, Romans 6.10 where it says, I mean Romans 6.11, Likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So our instruction is just really embedded right in that verse. We're just taking this verse in this context, and we want to understand what it means to reckon ourselves to be 
dead to sin, but alive to God. So let me, let me begin, first of all, with discussing the meaning of reckoning. So the Greek word's definition is to, to, um, uh, to calculate or to count. It also means to compute, to impute, uh, or to consider. So uh, a sampling of the ways in which it's translated um, it's, it's used quite a number of times. And like in Romans 2 and verse 26, and Romans 9 and verse 8 is translated counted, this Greek word. In, in, in Romans 4, 3, and 5, it's, it's translated accounted. In Romans, 6, uh, in Romans 4, 6, it's counted. It's translated imputes. And then in Romans... 4, 9 through 11, uh, two places there it is translated accounted, in one place it's translated imputed. And it's interesting because there is a, the translators in the New King James here have a note uh, that um, acknowledging that consider is a good way of understanding the word rendered. And the New American Standard, the ESV, and several other translations that I looked at also translate the word um, reckon as consider. So, but even with seeing, you know, seeing the basic meaning of the word and the way it's translated, um, there's some other things that are important for us to recognize. And I think probably the, the number one factor would be that Paul is here saying, I want you to reckon yourselves to be dead uh, to sin and alive to God, or count yourselves or consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God. It's in the imperative. Paul is giving this to us as a command. It's not an option or a suggestion, but it's a command. He's commanding us to reckon or consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. So Dr. John Murray in his commentary on Romans, which is, has become a classic, is certainly the best on Romans written in the 20th century. It's, it's a powerful commentary. Uh, it, he writes about this, he says, what is commanded needs to be carefully noted. We are not commanded to become dead to sin or alive to God. These are presupposed. And it is not by reckoning these to be facts that they become facts. He says the force of the imperative is that we are to reckon with and appreciate the facts which have already obtained, which have already been obtained by virtue of our union with Christ. So what he's telling us is we are, in the technical sense, dead to sin and alive to God, and therefore we need to follow the command of God and reckon ourselves to be so. The reason for that is because we want to bring our experience in living in this world into conformity with the spiritual reality of what we have in Christ in salvation. That's the basis 
uh, for um, understanding the meaning of reckoning or considering ourselves to be dead unto sin. Paul is commanding us to consider it to be true because God has said that it is true. God said, you're dead to sin, you're alive to God through Jesus Christ, therefore consider it, re reckon it to be so in your, in your heart, in your mind. So all of our thinking, living, and doing is to be under the controlled realization that we have been freed from the power of indwelling sin. There's still indwelling sin, but it doesn't have the power that it had over us before we were saved. So having considered the meaning, let's move to the content of this um, reckoning. What, it, what is the content that we are to reckon? And it's obvious, but I want to state it so that we, we see it very clearly. The content is twofold. Number one, we are to reckon or consider ourselves to be dead. And then the way Paul puts it, indeed to sin. And the word indeed means truly. We are to, to, we're to consider ourselves truly dead to sin. So if we consider ourselves truly dead to sin, we're going to be much more likely not to sin. And, and, and our goal in battling indwelling sin is not to give in to its temptations. To be dead to sin means to be free from the dominion of sin. And we were freed from sin's dominion. Romans 6 goes into detail about this. When we were saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, second, the content that we are to reckon or consider is ourselves to be alive to God in Christ Jesus. So we're, we want to consider ourselves dead to sin, but, we, but not just the, that negative, but we want to add to that the positive content. We are alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. And, and basically this means that we have, a, we have a real sincere interest in the will of God. We have a desire to uh, obey the commandments of God and to be pleasing and honoring to Him and all things. And we have been given the power as being alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We've been given the power to live this life when, before we were saved, we did not have the power to live to please God. But once we have been saved, we've been given all that is necessary to live to God in this world through Jesus Christ. So before salvation invaded our lives, and I think that's a good way of, of speaking of it. We were going along in life and salvation and Christ invaded us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We were at that time alive to sin and basically dead to God. We were dead in trespasses and in sins. Um, but with the grace of God in our lives, we have been made dead to sin and alive to God. Therefore, we need to consider it and reckon it um, in our hearts and minds. That's the content and then thirdly, I would like to, to share the explanation of the efficacy of, of reckoning these two things to be true. Basically, my question here is, 
How could reckoning or considering ourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God be meaningful? How could it just be that considering something would have this kind of power, this kind of effect, this kind of a benefit to our lives? So that requires us to read Romans 6, 1 through 10 that lead up to verse 11. So I want you to follow along with me. I'm not going to comment on all of this, but I'm going to draw out of it the essence of what we need in this regard. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life that He lives, He lives to God. Now these are some of the richest verses in the Scriptures on the subject of, uh, of, of our sanctification. But what I want you to see as, as, as we're really thinking about the efficacy and the benefit or the power of reckoning or considering ourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God, that these verses really inform the statements that uh, the statement that we have in verse 11. So how does, how does that work? And, and, and I want to answer it in three ways, and I'm going to draw these from verses 1 through 10. Number one, because we are in union with Christ. That's at the heart of, of this sixth chapter. We are, in, we are in union with Christ. We're in union with His death, burial, and resurrection. And it, this is where, I don't want to run a rabbit trail here, but God is eternal. Everything is an ever-present now. There's nothing past or present with God. And we, the elect of God, were placed in Christ positionally when He suffered and died. Not, not just, just, just our sins, but we also died with Christ. We were buried with Christ. We were raised to newness of life in Jesus Christ. That's, that's very clearly what is being taught to us here. And this doctrine of union with Christ is absolutely essential to the understanding of the New Testament, of understanding of salvation, and of understanding sanctification. So, the efficacy of reckoning or considering ourselves to be dead unto sin and alive unto God is because we were in union with Christ. And secondly, because the old man was crucified with Christ. So, it, it, here we see in verse 6 this statement 
the old man, the person that we were in Adam, and if we take our language from Sunday, the last couple of Sunday night sermons the, um, uh, from Romans chapter 3, the man that we were in the covenant of works, that man is dead. He died with Christ. We're new people in Christ. And so the third um, way in which we see the efficacy of, of reckoning and considering ourselves to be dead unto sin and alive in Christ is because this work of Christ was accomplished so that sin might be done away with. So that sin might be done away with. So the fr phrase there, done away with, at the end of verse 6 uh, of Romans 6, you'll notice that there's, all, there's also a note from the translators that this could be understood as rendered inoperative. So what we're seeing here is we're in union with Christ through His death, burial, and resurrection. The old man was crucified with Christ. And because of this work of Christ in, in redemption, the redemptive work of Christ, our sin is rendered inoperative. It's, it, it's, it's, it's been done away with through the death of Christ. So when we're considering this, that we are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ, reckoning, reckoning it, we're, we are really uh, appropriating very clear instruction for successfully battling against sin. Uh, it, this would be kind of a, uh, a closely related to reciting the gospel to yourself. But there's, as you can see here, considering um, what is being said here, considering the the, the real impact of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and you being in union with Him in that. So the essence basically of what I'm saying is that um, it can be expressed this way. Christ paid the debt of our sin by His suffering and He, he procured for us a new life through His resurrection. This is crucial in that only those who are in union with Christ enjoy these benefits. And we, have, we, we enjoy union with Christ by faith. We trust Christ and His work in the gospel. The Puritan pastor Walter Marshall writes in his classic work on the biblical doctrine of sanctification, that the apostles acquainted the churches with the rich grace of God toward them in Christ and the spiritual blessings which they are made partakers of for their strong consolation. And then they, the apostles exhort them to a holy conversation, that is a holy lifestyle, answerable to such privileges. That's a profound statement. And then what he does, he takes a whole nother page just to cite references he doesn't print out the verses. Sometimes he has a little phrase. But he cites a bunch of verses, a whole page from the epistles showing that the apostles were teaching this truth, this very truth here that's found in this verse and that's found in the book of Romans 
uh, and that it's universally found through, throughout the New Testament. And of course he was writing in opposition to some Protestants at, at that point in time who had an incorrect view of the doctrine of sanctification. There's always been, we've, we've always seemed to go to extremes when it comes to sanctification and not really see. We want to either, you know, take away something from justification so that people will live a holy life, or we want to add some laws and rules to sanctification in order to, you know, keep us from abusing justification or other things. But the clear teaching of Paul in Romans and everywhere else, and of course the passage that he, that he cites in Romans is Romans 6, 1 through 11. Um, the clear teaching of Paul is we are saved by the free grace of God without works. But in sanctification we see that God works by the power of His Spirit in us in um, helping us to see that being in Christ should cause us to war against indwelling sin. Um, in our lives. We can say uh, in practical terms, um, how do I reckon or consider myself to be dead to sin? And, and, and let me just say that it is not a psychological mind game. It, it is not by telling ourselves, if you please, you know, kind of like over and over repeating something that, that I'm dead to sin, I'm dead to sin. You know, I'm alive to God, I'm alive to God. And somehow or the other, that I'm going to convince myself against my better judgment by saying it to myself so much. That's not what he's saying at all. What he's telling us is that what God has revealed in his word is true. And what he has declared in his word is that we are dead to sin and alive to God. Then consider it or reckon it to be so in your experience. We receive the biblical teaching by reckoning or considering this teaching and believing it. And, and I would say appropriating it on a daily basis in our lives. But then there is a fourth matter that I would like to add. And that is the means by which our reckoning becomes a reality. And what he says here is like Wise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here we see that the cross of Christ continues to be the primary means by which not only are we saved by it, but also are sanctified by it. And so we are looking to Christ and we're trusting Christ and we're relying upon Christ and what He has done. So we could even add here at this point that it also means that we battle sin by reckoning ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God in Christ Jesus our Lord, the one in whom we are in union with. And I'll conclude with this illustration. In, in John chapter 11, you, you know that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And immediately after Jesus has called Lazarus come forth, and Lazarus comes out, John 11 and verse 44 says, And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth, and Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. So if I can picture this and thinking about them kind of 
how they would prepare his body for burial. I'm kind of picturing Lazarus kind of coming out of the tomb like this, <laughs> all wrapped up, his face and head and everything. And, and what's interesting is, think about this for a minute. His, this is a good metaphor illustration. You and I have been called out of deadness to sin, but the, but the grave clothes are still on us and are binding, and we need to be loosed by these principles and truths from God's holy Word. And so, just as Lazarus had to be loosed from those grave clothes, we also have been raised to newness of life in Jesus Christ from spiritual deadness, and we are now spiritually alive, and we are dead to sin. There may be some old grave clothes clinging to us, and some old, as James would say, some overflow of wickedness that's kind of continuing in our wake. But we want to cut it all away. We want to live more and more unto the glory and honor of God. And so we must reckon or consider the finished work of Jesus on our behalf as destroying the power of sin over us and providing for us a new life and the power necessary for defeating sin in our daily experience as we walk with Him.